right, everybody. So, uh, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, as you guys may know, we're uh, sort of simultaneously broadcasting on GoToWebinar right now. Um, so we're all mic'd up here. And the reason we're mic'd up is because there are people, as you probably saw on the other end of this, uh, who are listening in. So that's why, um, that's why we're all mic'd up here. And for all of you who are tuned in online, um, hi from, uh, from uh, 1871. <laughs> Uh, in the Merchandise Mart here in Chicago. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. As we always say, so hey everyone, welcome to ARE Live. Uh, I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles. Um, today I'm with Mike Newman. That's me. Um, and uh, I have uh, three special guests with me today. Uh, we're going to discuss this, the three strategies uh, that you need to consider uh, before you take your ARE. Um, so as I just mentioned, in addition to our live online broadcast, this is really, you know, since the beginning, um, uh, back in 2014 when we started ARE Live, this is really um, one of the first times uh, that we've done one of these sessions live and in person. So we're here, as I mentioned, here at 1871 um, in the Merchandise Mart. Uh, uh, should I make them all cheer? And so that everybody yeah. knows there's really people on the other hey. <laughs> You can hear, there's really people here, I promise. Um, there's, I don't know, there's 40 or 50 of us here. Um, uh, we're really lucky we partnered with AIA Illinois, AIA Chicago and their Young Architects Forum. Um, we're especially happy to have <laughs> partnered with Chicago's very own Revolution Brewery. Um, and of course, uh, 1871, um, to gather three different aspiring architects who've committed to one of the three different exam paths. Um, and our idea here is that they're here to debate very ferociously, vociferously, viciously the merits of those three paths. Um, as I mentioned, I'm sitting here with Mike Newman. Um, if you don't know Mike, he's an adjunct professor at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, he's also um, uh, founder of Shed, Shed Studio. And he's the instructor uh, for Black Spectacles Online ARE Prep Curriculum, which if you haven't already checked that out, um, you can head over to blackspectacles.com to check out any of the free tutorials from those courses. Um, as I mentioned, we have three special guests uh, with us um, in the ring tonight. Um, <laughs> um, our first special guest is Laura Crane from BKL Architecture. <clears throat> Laura has recently finished her ARE's, um, and she's going to... She took them all in ARE 4.0, since she, obviously since she recently finished them. ARE 5.0 is not quite out yet, um, so she's going to take the she's going to sort of take the position of um, anyone who uh, does anything other than ARE 4.0 is um, is nuts. I think um, that's what she's going to do. Um, a little bit about her: she's currently the youngest associate at BKL um, Architecture. Um, and has a focus on mixed-use towers. She's worked on several of BKL's Chicago-based projects as well as international mixed-use projects. Um, her interest in shaping the immediate uh, context and community has also led her to become highly active um, in professional organizations. Outside of the office, she's very involved in the surrounding architecture community and serves as the Associate Director of the American Institute of Architects Chicago Board of Directors. Um, she's also co-chairs the AI Chicago Young Architects Forum it helps to organize uh, and host bi-monthly networking and educational events for students and young architects in Chicago. Um, and uh, she recently earned a Bachelor of Science degree in interior design at Florida State University and her Master's of Architecture at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. So welcome, Laura. Thank you. Um, second with us here is um, Sarah Hitchcock from Gensler. <coughs> She's going to be taking the, uh, the position uh, of taking the transition, what we're calling the five exam plan, right? Where you can do three exams in ARE 4.0 and two exams in ARE 5.0. So that's the five exam plan. Of course, she'll be arguing that anyone who doesn't do that is, you know, is nuts, right? Um, a little bit about her. She was born in Hawaii, raised in South Dakota, uh, attended the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where she received a Bachelor's of Science in Interior Design and a Master's in Architecture. Uh, Post-graduation, Sarah began working um, at Gensler after a summer internship in Chicago exposed her to the vast range of project types and, uh, and work Gensler has to offer. Uh, one of my alma maters, so mm -hmm. kudos to Gensler. Uh, she utilized her background in interior design and architecture uh, to approach projects of all different scales and sizes. Her two years at Gensler, she's been able to fuel her interest in uh, multidisciplinary design by working on projects of diverse scales. Um, recent examples include a two million square foot repositioning of the Milwaukee Post Office building, 
um, and a confidential super tall tower repositioning in Chicago. And when she isn't uh, chipping away at her IDP hours in the office or studying for exams, uh, she enjoys sitting in critique panels at IIT and testing the capacity of her studio apartment with dinner parties um, and does her best to get outside often. So welcome, Sarah. Um, finally, Greg Christo from Stantec. Um, he's going to be taking the position of only ARE 5.0. Anyone who doesn't do anything different, who does something different than that, is an idiot, right? That's that's basically your that's position right. at this point. <laughs> um, Greg's an architectural designer and photographer, uh, working at Stantec with a master's of architecture from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and a bachelor of science in architecture for uh, architecture from the University of Illinois. Chicago's been a guest studio crit, uh, critic at the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. Um, some of his photography is gonna, can be found on Arc Daily, uh, Clog, and Digital Design Exercises for Architecture Students. So, um, so welcome, Craig. Thank you. Um, and then during the session, of course, we'll be taking questions from the audience here live, also uh, using the GoToWebinar question box. So um, for those of you who are tuned in on GoToWebinar, we will not forget you, I promise. Um, and also, if you're on Twitter, you can use the ARE Live podcast hashtag, and we'll take your questions with that. <coughs> so that's our introduction. Um, Andrew, we're going to go ahead and go to the next slide here um, to get ourselves started. And um, I'm going to uh, go ahead and uh, pass it over to Mr. Mike Newman with question number one. Okay, so question number one. Um, it feels like this, the way this is set up feels a little like a dating game, but <laughs> I try to ignore that. Um, uh, question number one is just a simple one. Just uh, We just heard introductions about you, but just to give everybody a little bit of a flavor of who you are, uh, is there anything else you want to tell us about, like, how would you describe yourself as an architect? Like, what... what uh, well, just, let's go with that. How would you describe yourself as an architect? Well, I mean, Sarah, we'll start with you. Oh, wow. That's a heavy question. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're all about the heavy questions here. You know, um, I would say that I'm mean, like any other young architect. I'm really trying to absorb as much as I can right now. Um, and that's what my first few years in the workforce have been like, is trying to get my hands on as many projects as possible and learning about um, all aspects of different projects. And I think Gensler has been a really great place to do that because there's so many different project types and I've really enjoyed that. There's a huge uh, range of scales of projects Absolutely. and just lots of different types of projects. Exactly. Uh, commercial and residential and all kinds of stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, I'm at the you know, five-year mark, so I've experienced some different uh, types of work, retail, commercial, and some workplace. Um, but um, just trying to get my hands on as many projects as I can, I mean, I would echo that 100%, because um, at this point, can't solely dedicate my path to one specific uh, type of project, so um, as you know, try to absorb as much as I can. And Laura, why don't you give us a little rundown of, uh, let's see, so far you're trying to take over the world from what I can tell listening <laughs> to Mark's introduction. Uh, maybe you could explain a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, that's plan A. Uh, <laughs> No, I, if I find out what I like, I, I really drive towards that. So um, I, I dabbled in high-end residential uh, when I was interning in school and realized that was not what I wanted. Um, it wasn't um, complex enough. I really like complex puzzles, putting things together. So my focus in my forte is um, large towers, mixed use, um, I really love where everything comes together in the podium and figuring out those things. Um, and I also have a forte for exterior wall assemblies and putting together um, construction document packages for um, that aspect of the project as well. Cool. So that I mean, BKL is a perfect uh, spot mm -hmm. for you for those because that's really the what's going on there. Right. We have a lot of mixed-use projects. It's kind of our forte is larger developments. Um, we do have. Um, other, other types of projects, including education, that I've, I've also been able to be exposed to and experience. But yeah, I, I, found, I found my forte, and, and so far, that's the direction I've been going. Okay, I'm going to ask the first uh, truly meaty question here. So why do you want to get licensed? Uh, it, it wasn't even an option. For me, it was the last remaining task on the list after you know finishing undergrad finishing internships, finishing your master's education, it was that last little thing I had to check off. So yeah, it was never an option, it was always there. You just always known you wanted to be licensed and, and, and just kind of get all the way through to that point. Correct. Cool, how about uh, Sarah, how about you? 
Um, I, you know, I think a lot of people think uh, taking the ARE, you, you work a little bit so you can learn to take the ARE. I kind of look at it the opposite way. Um, I love the aspects of the exam um, and learning that on the front end first and being able to apply that to my work so hopefully I could do better at what I'm doing by having a base knowledge. So Sarah, just to be sure, are you a plant from NCARB? Because that's <laughs> a straight no. talking point from NCARB. Um, no, I, I really think that it's, I haven't had like as thorough project experience on the back end, so I want to know about the back end of a project, you know, how a building actually gets built. Um, so when I'm ready for that portion of the project, that I come in with some knowledge. Yeah, one of the things I've always said uh, is that the exam process is a, a truly annoying thing to go through yeah. for everybody. It's an annoying <coughs> process. Nobody loves taking the exam, but I guarantee you, you'll be a better architect by having gone through the process of studying for it and going through all the effort of, of going through that. Just because, as you guys have all talked about, you know, you all work on different types of situations that you don't get a very wide range when you're a young mm -hmm. architect. There's only so much range you can get, but you're forced to study a wide range, right. and it sort of opens all that up. So I, I, I love that you're thinking that yeah. way on that. So, And uh, Greg, how about you? Why, uh, why get licensed? Why do it at all? You know, I kind of echo uh, Laura's comment. You know, for me, it was without question, I went to architecture school uh, directly from bachelor's to master's, and ultimately, I feel like getting a license is that last step in your education as from a school aspect of it. Um, and then, you know, of course, it will become a stepping stone to your career because um, a lot of more opportunities come about if, say, you meet uh, a friendly developer that wants to do something <laughs> with you. Um, you could just be like, okay, yeah, I'll start uh, Greg Architects tomorrow. And, but um, it a lot. You're in the right place, by the way. You're in the right place. <laughs> so it, it allows for a lot more opportunities down the line. So, um, and of course, to have a better knowledge of architecture as a whole, you need that. Um, licensing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and so in this process, I mean, you're all at different phases of the of the process, um, uh, from having haven't taken any yet uh, to have taken okay. half of them approximately to just recently all done. Uh, tell me about like what kind of support did you find? Did you find support from? Uh, your office, for example, was there? You know, how did how did you sort of make this process happen? Uh, Greg, let's just keep going with you for a minute. Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, the main takeaway for that point is don't be an island, and by that I mean don't separate yourself and try to be innovative in the way you study. Ask people because you know someone um, has gone through the same process as you. They could shed some light if they don't have the resources available to you. They could certainly lead you to the path of that. Um, I know my office, um, we're in a transition process, so I reached out to my principal. You know, he told me, see what's out there, come back to me, and we'll go from there. Um, so I kind of approached it from a new uh, uh, path. And then, of course, reach out to old colleagues from school. Um, they've, they're going through the same process, um, so they may be able to provide some um, you know, PDFs that they've scanned or this and that and different resources that they've done. So. Don't be an island is like that main thing for me. Yeah. Cool. Laura, you wanna sure add a thing. Um, Every architect is gonna be extremely sympathetic to the fact that you're gonna start testing. <laughs> um, trust me, they'll have flashbacks, they'll know exactly what they went through, they can tell you war stories. Um, so again, ask for help. You'll be very surprised just how um, generous the local resources around you are. Um, my office, um, there was about a dozen of us testing, and so we approached our principal, Tom Kerwin, and he brought an instructor in for us to teach us one weekend for structures, because you know that was a terrifying exam. Um, I've also tapped into reach out to your friends, because you will need emotional support through these. Um, and then also, um, as a young architect, you have um, quite a bit of resources at your fingertips. So if you're a recent graduate, you can apply for free membership at your local AIA chapter, and they have free resources that you can borrow, um, as well as you can start forming communities. Um, I know in Chicago, uh, through uh, Young Architects Forum, little study groups started happening through, through networking and through meetups. Yeah, sort of both uh, official type uh, study groups, but also just the unofficial, like, 
Uh, you start going to events like this, you start running into other people who are doing similar things, you're borrowing uh, materials from each other, and then you can sort of informally start a study group just from something like that as well. It's like, oh, it's, it's smart to be open to those as uh, possibilities. Sarah, do you have uh, anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd echo that. It's uh, great to be at a firm that supports you. Genzo does a great job of that, but it is all about asking and getting yourself out there um, to get the support you need. Right. Yeah, you know, one thing I would say to, to that is, you know, for a lot of folks, uh, they may not be in a firm that is uh, being very supportive, uh, but that probably means, kind of as, as Laura was saying, it probably means they just haven't thought about it yet. Uh, they, haven't, you know, they haven't been asked to, and if you actually go forward and say, hey, look, I'm in this moment, uh, I need some help, they're likely to be very supportive of the idea. Maybe financially, maybe not, maybe with materials, maybe with something, maybe with just making sure that you get experience to go out onto the job sites or go into the meetings, like they might go out of their way to kind of give you a, a wider range of experience, but you should absolutely be asking for that, uh, that kind of support. That's what I was going to sort of mention. I'll also say that um, if you haven't started taking the exams yet <clears throat> and you're not quite sure when, you're not quite sure what resources there are, um, one of the keys is actually to start talking about it and start talking to your colleagues and letting them know, yeah, I'm getting, getting ready to take these exams or I'm thinking about taking these exams. I'm serious about getting my license. It's amazing as soon as you speak up, as Mike is saying, as many of our colleagues here are saying, as soon as you speak up, man, um, as Bob has said to me before, you know, the universe comes and sort of envelops you and, and, and to support you. So um, make sure you uh, sort of speak up, I guess is kind of the key there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, anybody, did you get any support or did you go back to your schools at all, anything like that? Like, did you, was there any process during that that was important for you? Laura? You uh, well, my instance was very um, unique because um, I was the third graduating class from a newly accredited program. So, when I would go online to the, um, the NCARB score reports to see the pass rates and fail rates, the numbers were so small that I knew exactly which colleague took it <laughs> 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 and passed or failed. So um, that, that was really interesting and that was a very unique experience. But um, because we were so new, um, there wasn't really anything there, set up yet. There wasn't really any support yet, yeah. Which created this um, scenario where we really had to lean on each other as peers. So we, we reached out to um, you know our graduating class and, are you doing this? Are you taking that? Interesting. Uh, I went to the University of Nebraska. And I when I look back, I think that they did a really great job preparing me. but. I might not have been as aware of it while they were doing it. I know that sounds crazy, but we had a great site planning class and it was, as I studied for site planning, I was like, oh, they taught me literally all of this. And so if anyone's out there listening is in school, like take advantage of that. Take advantage of the courses you're taking. Um, take them seriously because if you're planning on taking the test, the material will come up. That's good advice. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I would say the same thing. I mean. Uh, I know at UW-Milwaukee we had a great uh, associate to the dean who anytime um, we had a question for anything, she, she had so many resources at your fingertips. So literally if you're in school and you're listening to this, you know, tap into those people that are your go-to for, no for knowledge bases um, and you'll be surprised what you find out. All right. Well, I think uh, that gives us a very clear idea of kind of where you've come from and what kinds of uh, architects you are and the way you sort of think about moving through the process. Uh, and I think right now what I want to ask is, uh, why do you think the other two are so stupid about how they're approaching this as a, as a process? Uh, why are you so much smarter than everybody else? Laura, tell us about <laughs> it. Okay, whatever level so of First of all, what are you, how are you going to do it? You've done, done it already, it's but done. yeah. Um, okay, my reason for get it now and get it done, don't even wait for five, just get seven out of the way, or four out of the way. Um, whatever level of busy you are right now is like an exponential fraction of the level of busy your future self will be. It's, um, I started testing thinking, okay, I wanna get this out of, out of the way as soon as possible. Um, so then I can go back and have a normal life. I'm busier now 
than I was then. And I have peers in my firm that are at the same level, same workload as me, that are starting to test now. No idea how they can balance that. So what you're saying is uh, <coughs> all these other folks who have these like lofty plans about, yeah, sometime in the future I'm going to do this thing. Screw that. Do it now. Don't wait. Make it happen. Exactly. Sign, sign up now. You can do it from your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, do you I have a, like, a rebuttal to that? I feel like I can pivot that? off that because if you are really trying to get all of these done as fast as possible, the transition plan is the best option. You get to take three of the original 4.0 tests and only two of the new 5.0. That's five tests instead of seven. So if you do the math on that also, if you take the first three, you have two left. You can fail those twice and still, and still have, the same, be, have the same number of tests. So that's financially and that's time. So what you're suggesting to people is to fail the exams? Is no, that I'm saying you should, you're going to pass on the first time, okay. everyone. Everyone always passes on the first time, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. right? Sure. <laughs> but if you happen to fail for some reason, you still, you're not studying for a different test. You're restudying for the same test. That's just more time going to that test and being more prepared. So let me challenge you a little bit on that. All right. Uh, clearly. Well, I'm going to cut you off here okay. for a second. Because everyone, by the way, that is Mike Newman's recipe for how to get licensed. <laughs> the best way to get licensed, the, west, the best way to prepare for the exam is to just take the damn exam. And I mean, in fact- I agree with that 100%. We, you know, we did this seven and seven thing that Challenge, Charlie Kletcher yeah. did. He, uh, you take seven exams in seven days. Uh, Charlie studied for eight weeks, actually studied for seven weeks, I think. Um, and then he took all the exams in one whole week. And he got really lucky and passed them all. We did, a, we did a promotion, similar promotion with AIA National um, and of the folks who took them. Some of them passed. Some of them didn't pass all of them. Some of them passed, uh, no, everyone passed at least one, actually. Yeah. No one failed them all. Um, so uh, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that's a Mike Newman endorsed uh, yeah. uh, approach. Just uh, absolutely, complete, like one of the big things for me is uh, Take the take the weight off of it. Yep. Like just just do it. Uh, you know, the, if you kind of put it uh, into the sort of worst case scenario, well, the absolute worst case scenario is you fail one. Yeah, big deal. You know, you take it again. It's not that big a deal. You can tell people. You can not tell people. Whatever you want. Right. It doesn't really matter. Cost money, which of course is a big yeah. deal eventually. But. Other than that, it's just a good way to learn how to take the exam. Exactly. I think, we, I think we need. Sorry, I think we need to take what you said and we need to turn it into a hashtag or something or something that goes crazy that everyone passes on the first try. <laughs> right. We just need to make that a thing. So everyone in the room and everyone who's listening all over the world, right. um, remember, everybody passes on the first try. Wink, wink. That's right. <laughs> uh, but so okay, back to. Uh, let me just challenge you a okay. little bit on the transition idea. Because I'm a big fan of the transition, but it does have potentially some issues. Yes. And one of the issues is you do get into a rhythm. And once you've gotten into a rhythm with taking certain exams, for example, under 4.0, there's the vignettes. Mm -hmm. And the vignettes are kind of that crazy sort of like drawing, kind of not drawing. You're sort of drawing a PowerPoint kind of. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of this unusual thing. Mm -hmm. It takes a little while to kind of get used to, to doing that. And there, all of a sudden, now you're used to it, and you're going to throw it away. You've, you've, you're, you're ending your rhythm. Right. Yeah, that's a really great question. I actually think um, that comes down to like knowing yourself and your study habits and your capabilities to adapt to change. Um, if you're not a great test taker, sticking with one is probably a better option. If you are fairly flexible, if you are, you know, Tests don't freak you out. I, some people have that. I, I feel pretty comfortable with testing, so I, I'm okay learning the new format. And I, again, I think that I can take that under my belt. But if you are a person who's, you know, you're on a schedule, that you get that rhythm, it might not be worth it to, to, to lose it. So it's either go with 4.0 or go with 5.0. So just to be clear, what you're saying is you're so much better at taking tests <laughs> than everybody else. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. Is that, is that, what, you, is that yeah. what you heard as well? Yeah. Okay, so we're hearing the same thing. All right, Greg, so uh, tell us about uh, why you want to just sort of delay, delay, delay until you just wait until sometime in the future when 5.0 is ready to start. Well, because we live in Chicago and the summer's great, so now that the summer's uh, you know, ending, unfortunately, 
And you know, November 1st is right around the corner. It's the perfect time to you know, sit down, commit to this, and knock it out. Um, I think you know, the test-taking abilities of different folks depends heavily on this, but um, if you haven't done any tests or if you have done a 4.0 test and it was a year or so ago, um, I think the 5.0 is your way because you know, it's a new test, new way of thinking of it, um, and it's tied into that real-world experience with the model that um, they've outlined for us. So I think that's the way to go. Um, Are you nervous at all about the fact that uh, you know, we all we have sort of an idea about what the format's going to be like? Um, but you know, you never know until you see it. Uh, 4.0 has been around for a while. There's sort of a, like, we know what's likely to come, how it, what's going to feel like, but 5.0 has a lot of question marks still. Um, does that worry you at all? So yes and no, because of course it's a new thing, so you have to take, you know, think, what are they going to throw at you? But um, to everyone out there, um, I was at, on a webinar today with NCARB, they did a nation, nationwide a webinar, and they said that if you do test early, the uh, first 600 mm -hmm. tests per section, they're going to do a, uh, what do they call it, a score like, cut? Yeah, um, you'll, so, be, you'll be part of determining the cut. So yeah. you're going to determine the cut. Um, so if you do have a hard test, you know they're going to take some more time to think about these tests and grade them. Um, so you may, you know, luck out in that regard, I guess. I think what Greg's really saying is the first 600 people, they're all going to pass on the first try, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they said it's not a guarantee, but, you know, um, it's definitely just an extra motivational thing. So, um, you know, to think of something new. Well, NCARB is rolling this thing out as a new thing, and they're also cautious of how it's received. So um, it's a, a tug of war, I guess. Mm -hmm. But aren't um, you worried about being sort of a guinea pig? I mean, I think in architecture we're worried about that every <laughs> single day, so it, it's just kind of part of the profession and, you know, um, take it on. Um, and like you said, uh, just take it and see what happens. It, I do think that uh, one of the things that's going to be an interesting difference between them is there's likely to be a lot more, for example, reading uh, mm -hmm. on the 5.0 exam than there is uh, on the 4.0. Could be wrong about that, but it seems likely that, that you're going to be reading more on the 5.0 exam. Uh, and having to make kind of quick decisions about fairly complex uh, readings to then decide, does this, is this something that I need to think about to answer these questions? Uh, is, are, are, that's different than just a typical like question, here's four answers, choose one. Uh, any worries about that, Sarah? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, when you get in a rhythm, <coughs> excuse me, um, and with the 4.0, you kind of know the types of questions they're going to ask you. And, and you, you look for words, and you look for certain things to cue you. This will be, it's a little scary, because you're getting a packet, or whatever they give you, a packet of documents. And you have to be able to read through and kind of comprehend. So that's another thing about knowing yourself. If that's something you think you can handle, reading, going back, finding, cross-referencing, those sorts of things, then maybe that is the right thing to do, is take 5.0. So why is that completely ridiculous, Laura? Jeez, you guys. <laughs> um, I feel like an analogy, real world, is your, okay, Chicago, it rains, you're getting ready to cross the street and there's a puddle. It's too big, you can't jump it, and so you have to step through it. There's a possibility that it's a manhole. <laughs> and you're going all the way in. Um, the there's a saying you, you phrase a lot, like the beast you know now is, could, is probably better than mm -hmm. the beast you don't know. I butchered it, but... Yes, you just butchered it, butchered yeah. it but all right. Um, <laughs> you, there's so many resources available. There's black spectacles, there's these books, there's these hard, hard, hard copy references. Um, and then you also have, you know, what, t 10 years or five years of people to, to help you, to rely on, to get you through this. Um, yeah, all, just, all the people who you know who have recently taken the exam have all taken it under 4.0. Correct. And they're all resources for mm -hmm. you right, right now. Right. So you guys are stepping into the dark. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, to, to that, I guess, I mean, because the 5.0 is based heavily on the 4.0. It's just a different layout mm -hmm. of the test itself. So I guess to your point that there is a lot of resources, 
um, you could use those resources to just implement <coughs> it and you know, you're being tested in a different way. Right. I'm planning on using a lot of the 4.0 resources to study, and Carver's done a great job of outlining what parts of the old test will be mixed into the new test, so you can start to take those little pieces and pull it out of the 4.0 study material, and hopefully um, that'll get you through. <laughs> I'm scowling. Um, I'm scowling because, uh, man, Mike and I have had our head in <coughs> developing materials. Oh, for well, I'm going to get that too. 5.0. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you don't have to, but um, I'd highly encourage you to. I'm I just kidding. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I don't know if, if that's really going to, if that's going to work. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. They, we, we've actually been, we literally have been talking about this a great deal because it's right, we're right in the middle of preparing all these materials. And uh, it, there's a couple of kind of interesting aspects to that. One is uh, just because they're changing the format of the exam doesn't mean that the architect's life or role is suddenly different, mm -hmm. right? It's, you're still the same architect. You still need to know the same type of information in order to be reasonably called a licensed architect. Uh, so there's not, a, there's not a huge change. It's still the same basic content. It is, however, a very different way of giving, getting across that content. Uh, you know, in the 4.0, it really is a series of silos. And you could just say, all right, I'm going to spend uh, three weeks just thinking about systems and then take a systems exam. Uh, I could do the same thing with structures, same thing with contracts, site planning, that kind of thing. Uh, whereas under 5.0, I could get contract questions on literally five of the six different exams. Uh, I could get structures questions on three or four of the different exams. I could get systems questions on three or four. So it loses that sort of sense of um, clarity in the studying process while it gains the sort of logical way that architects tend to think. So there's a, there's a sort of process to it, which I think is very smart on NCARB's uh, part, of, of sort of changing the, the sort of role of the exam to be more like how architects take multiple pieces of information and put them together. Uh, but I don't know that it's necessarily easier to study for, if you understand. Like, so right. thoughts about that. Go ahead. I, <laughs> no, go for, go for it. I mean, I think, I think that's true. I don't think it's going to be easier to study for. Um, you know, one thing about I learned from taking the 4.0 exams is find multiple sources to study from. There isn't one that will be your <coughs> catch-all, that you will have everything <coughs> on the exam, <coughs> except for black spectacles. <laughs> and um, I, I just think it's because of how the test is written. It's not because yeah. of this, how the study material is. They, they pull from different areas, and I think different Kaplan and Ballas and all those people find a different part of it to pull apart and to teach you, um, or for you to learn, I guess. And I think that that's why my approach was to be to go back to some of that material and then also be using the new material. Because it's new material, I don't know that it's going to cover everything, right? Like, right. It, I have to be able to cover my bases and cover my back when I'm studying. Yeah, and I mean, what I was going to say was, you know, I just like the new approach of the test because uh, in the field and when you're working, you're constantly thinking about all these different things all at once. You're never, I'm just going to do this thing for three, four weeks. No one's going to tell me anything about it. That's never going to happen because, you know, someone's going to be like, well, uh, that's not what we have in the contract. Are you thinking about the structure of this thing? Is it just going to flow? You know, all these things, and we all do it. We balance all these things um, all the time. So I think you know, the new approach, um, it, from an outsider's perspective, not having taken it, I appreciate it, so. So what you're saying is it's more like being an architect, the complexity of thinking that architects bring to the table. Laura, you're thinking, oh my god, make it easy to study. You guys are nuts. <laughs> um, okay, the way that I studied for the 4.0 is, because um, I'm, I'm a cold hard, like, cold hard facts person. Um, I want to know as much as I can going in. Um, I don't want to rely on, you know, like logic and intuition as I'm reading through these random questions. So I would study for every exam about, you know, a good six to eight inches of material. <laughs> um, I would cram in two weeks and take a test. Tiny, like a fraction, maybe like an eighth of an inch of that whole stack that I read through 
was actually material that I saw again on the exam. Um, so if if you are a good test taker, the 4.0 is it's a little bit ideal because a lot of it is just using your knowledge, your applied knowledge. Um, like I've known people who have only used black spectacles because Mike Newman preaches that and teaches you how to read questions, like what are they asking, what do they think that you should know in this situation, and um, just your tiny Mike Newman in your head during the exam, walking you through this reasoning, you're, you're able to take these questions and pass them easily, I, I think. That sounds horrible to me. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think maybe you need to get some help, but that's another, that's a longer conversation for later. Um, I, I actually do say that all the time, that one of the, one of the things that you really do need to think about when you're taking the exams, as you're reading a question, it's not, what you should be saying to yourself is not, what's the right answer to the question? You should be saying to yourself, what do they want me to answer? What, what is the answer that NCAR wants me to, to, to think about? Because it puts you into a context. We all work in, in different contexts. We, work, we have experience in different firms. We have uh, you know, experience in different regions of the country. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is this is a kind of cross the country general idea of how an architect should, what, what an architect should know. What do, what do they think? you should know. And it's a really important sort of difference of how you kind of think about approaching it. You want to say something, Sarah? To add on to that, I think, you know, Laura talked about not having a lot of time. As you get older, you're going to get busier and busier. The other advantage to starting your tests right away is you don't have the outside influence of how your firm works or your experience to kind of um, sh like shift your answers on a test. Like I've, I've worked a year and a half and I already can see myself in the last test I took I'm like what would we do in real life and then I'm like nope not that what is the right answer for the exam so that's another advantage to taking it when you're fresh out yeah I will say um, I've had uh, many folks come into my classes uh, who have you know 10 15 uh, up to 20 years of experience uh, and for whatever reason didn't get licensed and either just changed their mind and wanted to do it now or their the ownership structure of the firm changed and suddenly they had to get licensed or something. And for those folks it's actually often much more difficult. You'd think it'd be easier, but often it's much more difficult because they bring so much baggage of knowledge, but it's all very specific knowledge of the way that they've done it in the past and it's hard to break those chains and think abstractly. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Given the fact that there is this sort of uh, transition that's coming and that the transition includes this sort of new way of thinking uh, about how to sort of think of all the different topics uh, together, uh, what are you doing about that? Like, how, how, are we, how are you going to be sort of moving forward? Are you still just going to be uh, going through the same study materials or are you thinking about it in a different way? Well, one of the things that I'm actually looking forward to doing um, is using Black Spectacles because I know you guys are going to have a revamped mm -hmm. system for the 5.0. Um, but with that said, um, and the takeaway from the webinar today with NCARB was some of the third-party um, vendors may not have their study guides lined up in the, in the way that the uh, current test is laid out. So I guess more of a sign of caution is be careful the way you uh, study because it may not be the things that you actually uh, study for on the test um, so because the, the different changes have happened um, yeah so Laura might then say well then just take 4.0 <laughs> well kind of like the silos you were talking about and um, kind of the direction I was going was you know what exam you're, you were taking in 4.0 and you could kind of, if you couldn't, if you didn't know the question off the top of your head, you could kind of go through a little bit of logic and figure out, okay, this is the exam I'm taking. They're probably looking for this answer because this deals with, you know, structures or this deals with program and planning. Um, so on this whole blanket of 5.0, I, I mean, when you're tested on everything together, you don't have those background cues of uh, this is a systems exam, this is whatever the hell they're talking about, it must be about systems. Uh, and that can kind of help you through the process a little bit. Yeah, but. I'd counter that maybe from the three exams I've taken. They can be a grab bag. Like you are studying for a certain test, but they do pick up on other exams. 
construction documents is going to appear on all of your exams. Like you have to be on top of your game about a lot of different topics mm -hmm. to be prepared for all the questions they are going to ask you. Granted, those might be not be worth as much when yeah. they score it, but like they are there. Yeah. Also, in the transition plan, the three that you take in in 4.0, mm -hmm. uh, construction documents and services, program planning and practice, and site planning and design. Uh, those three have an awful lot of uh, back and forth. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, the word planning shows up in two of them, and just the names, let alone uh, um, just sort of generally how the questions are likely to sort of mm -hmm. fall back and forth. So those those three specifically have a lot back and forth. But so do systems and mm -hmm. uh, building design. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, overlap back and forth between those. So I think that's true. Uh, so it's maybe not as different as it sounds. Uh, 5.0 will have a lot of overlap, right. but it's not like 4.0 didn't have uh, or doesn't have overlap. Right. Um, so the, the exam has uh, uh, gone through a number of changes. Right now, the big obvious one is uh, going from 4.0 to 5.0. Um, and that's the sort of change in the way of kind of going from these kind of siloed exams to more uh, kind of chronology of a project type uh, exam. Uh, so programming and then design and then documentation and then eventually construction. Um, so there's that big change that's happening, but there's also a lot of other changes. There's a bunch of changes to IDP. Uh, there's been a number of changes recently to uh, when you can take the exams. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, everybody had to wait at least three years before they could take uh, any of the exams, I think, across the country, except for maybe one or two states. Uh, and now there's all sorts of different uh, ways it's being done. In many states, you can take it right after you graduate. Uh, I think some you can even now take it while you're in school, as long as you have a certain number of credits. Um, what do you think about those kinds of changes? Is that, how does that, how would that impact the way that you have been thinking about the uh, the exam? Uh, I mean, I guess um, I would say that it's a welcome change because, you know, we keep saying and talking about this whole time thing, um, and everyone is more busy now than they were ever uh, before, especially with all the things that we have in our lives, all social media, this and that. So um, for the fact that they've dropped that off, that you could start t testing um, essentially right away is a great thing because um, people are at different experience levels in school and out of school. Um, you know, I had people in my graduate class that were much older than me. They had different experiences in their lives, so they may want to take those tests right away, not wait to get um, you know that preliminary one to two year experience um, for someone like me that had no idea what was going on once they started work. So it's definitely a welcome change, and I see the whole NCARB system, you know. Um, really taking notice of what's currently happening in architecture and the speed of things and trying to speed up the thing and making it better for everybody, essentially. Um, I'd say as much as we talk about how terrible these exams are and how treacherous they are, uh, they do make you a better architect, a better designer. Um, they provide you this little wealth of knowledge that you don't necessarily gain in the field or you don't really tap into every day. So the fact that you could graduate with your master's and walk into an interview and say that you're, you're, you completed and you're licensed, that is awesome. I mean, that's an extra edge. Why wouldn't you do it just as soon as you can? I think it does bring up competitiveness, like um, people showing initiative to take the exams and to push themselves. Um, and I also think, like I said before, starting out that base of knowledge first and then being able to apply that to your work life like I don't see how that's not an advantage to have our, the background of the exams and then be able to take it right away yeah I will say that most schools have not uh, focused on uh, the um, the topics that are really likely to show up in the exam so you get a little taste of it in most schools but you don't really get a thorough version of it most of the time um, so it does mean that you have to be kind of a self-starter in order to really jump out and, and take those exams right off, uh, right off the bat, I think. Um, because so much of the exam is really about kind of experiential aspects to things, right? Um, we did have one question. Yeah. <clears throat> we had one question here. Folks were asking, uh, what are the, uh, the exams in the transition uh, combo plan again? Or what are the 
exams <laughs> in the, the five exam plan. So from area, this is my a test, we'll see if I pass. Um, for area 4.0, it's construction documents and services, site planning and programming, planning and practice. <clears throat> and then for the, the area 5.0, it's exams four and five, which are project planning and design yep. and project design and documentation. How do I do? I think that's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And if you notice, there's some overlap of the names of the tests you already took to the ones you're taking. Yeah. So you you have a base of study knowledge. Construction documents will appear on your 5.0 exam. Site planning will can uh, appear on your 5.0 exam too. So you 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 get a little studying in beforehand for your 5.0 exams. So it's worth noting that, uh, just for those who haven't uh, sort of looked at the the, the way that 5.0 is ordered is that there's two is. So 4.0 is seven different exams, and each one is a different topic. Like we said, there's a lot of back and forth between them, but each one conceptually is a different topic. 5.0 is six different exams, which is set up as two of the exams are sort of pulled away and a little separate. One is sort of an overall idea about program, um, uh, the, uh, project, excuse me, um, uh, how a project is sort of put together, and so it's all of the uh, information about the overarching idea of how a project uh, is going to go, the contracts and all that kind of stuff, but also kind of working with clients and all of those kinds of things. And then there's another overall one, which is a practice management uh, one, and that's about, well, you know, how do you organize a practice? How do you uh, put teams together? How do you do deal with uh, RFPs and RFQs? And how do you uh, think about how insurance is going to work? And you know, all of those things. So the, those two sort of stand alone uh, a bit. And then there's four exams which are in sequence. And those four exams uh, start at programming, and then there's a sort of planning uh, and design one, and then there's a uh, planning and uh, a design and documentation one, and then there's one that's about construction. And so if you think of those four as a sequence, one, two, three, four, uh, though starting at three, so it's three, four, five, six. Um, if you think of those uh, as that sequence, then you can kind of get a pretty good picture of kind of the idea behind what's going on. Uh, and in the transition, you do the three that Mark mentioned, and then the middle two of that sequence of four. So not the programming one, which would be the first one, because presumably you've already done that in uh, programming, planning, and practice and site planning. Uh, but then the next one, which is really about kind of, all right, we've got a program, we have an idea of what we need to do. Now we're in the design phase. So we're doing kind of design development, schematic design type work. Uh, what would be all the issues that would show up there? And those issues would be, well, structural issues. Uh, what kind of basic systems in terms of orientation and fenestration and those kinds of relationships and uh, what kinds of issues of contracts and working with a client show up at that that period and then the next one which would be uh, all right now you're in the CD set phase getting ready for permits and bidding and all of that so you're you're really doing it's like if you've gone through the design process now you're taking that design and you're figuring out how to document it and communicate it to other people so now we're getting into uh, structural questions would be things like uh, you know, how many bolts go into this? Uh, you know, how, like, how, what's the actual sizing on this? What kind of systems, how much CFM is gonna go? You know, it becomes much more kind of a detail type question and how do you communicate those things? But again, it'll be about contracts, it'll be about systems, it'll be about uh, structures, it'll be about planning and design issues, it'll be about egress. Like all of those things can show up in both of those exams. So the thing that I'm kind of getting at here, and then eventually the sixth one is, uh, I think, going to be a, a relatively simple one comparatively. But that uh, uh, four and five, that those two that you would take in that transition, those are going to be monster exams, right? I mean, these are these are not going to be small exams. These are going to be two big exams. But anybody who's taken five is also going to have to do those two big exams. Uh, but it's, uh, these are going to be much bigger exams, I think, and they're going to be much more exhausting than the 4.0 exams. Yeah, and there's also a calculator on NCARB. If you've taken some from 4.0, maybe not all three or the right three that you need to take to do the five, um, and you're thinking about jumping in the deep end and going into 5.0, you can just type in the ones that you've done in the little drop-down menu, and it'll tell you, generate the tests you would take in five. Yeah, and you absolutely want to have it like 
you want to know exactly what you're getting into because there's zero reason to uh, like just start randomly taking some in four and then jump to five. You could very easily have to take all of five after you've taken a bunch in four if you haven't gone through the process and really thought it through. Um, so before we uh, hop over to our last question here, um, we do have a question from the, from the audience uh, online. <coughs> if you take the transition plan but fail <coughs> the two of ARE 5.0, um, can you go back to taking all the ARE 4.0 exams, or is there no going back? All or nothing. Yep. All you, or nothing. you commit. If you transition, you transition, you're in. There's some magic button on Never go back. website that once you press it, it's, it's coded to only be a one-way button, so yep. it doesn't go back. And they've said that it's going to be very deliberate that you have to actually type in yes. transition Switching. so you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That should so have like a warning, question. but yeah. it probably does. When we get in there, we'll know. Beware. Okay, so uh, one last question here. Uh, this is, uh, I, I think, the one that seems the most likely to be true, this question. If you controlled the world, right, so you, will, you control everything in the world, how would you organize the exam? Is this the right exam? Is there something that you would do differently? Is this what we should be focused on? Well, I think that the people who write this test have a very hard job. We have a profession that is incredibly challenging. You can't put it, I think it's hard to put in silos. So the siloed version of the exam, um, it's one way to do it, but I don't know that it tests your ability to be an architect, right? We, we cover everything. So this new approach, I think, is getting closer to what I would do because it's, it, it's a little bit more real life. We're, we're you know, if we don't know something, we're going to figure it out. We're going to go to the code book. We're going to go, we're going to find a solution. And I feel like this exam will be more on those lines. Um, but it, it, it's a hard test to write. I don't, I don't know that I have an answer for that. Uh, I would say that from experiencing all the four, actually my, my favorite exam was structures because it had, um, this resource material, okay, it was the worst to study for. That was really, really boring. Um, definitely a few cat naps in my books. But um, as far as taking the test, um, it was the most straightforward. It was, it was probably one of the easiest ones, and it had um, the resources that had formulas and um, some like material compositions and some equations for you to um, use as a guide, which I thought most um, paralleled with our practice, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to look things up every single day. Um, I'm not going to say, oh, I remember that. It's this equation. No, I'm going to cross-check it always. Um, and so I think that one closely most resembled the profession. Um, not that we do structural calculations like that all the time, but um, I'm not, I'm, because no one knows what five mm -hmm. is yet, really. I don't really know if it will fully implement what we do in the field. So um, if, if I ruled the world and I could make uh, the ARE test, um, I think I'd probably make it parallel to the way the structures is in 4.0, where you have um, references that you can go to that are there for the, the length of the exam. So still specific sets of information, types of questions, but then there's uh, a lot of reference material within that to be able to go back and forth with. Yeah. Greg, anything? Yeah, I guess I would probably take it one step back and try to implement at least a test or two within your studies. So you're going through this path of architecture through undergrad and graduate school. Why not try to introduce that at the graduate level? Mm -hmm. um, and so you kind of get your feet wet before you you know, dive in. And then at that point, maybe you make, maybe it'll scare off people. Yeah. But at the same time, it's the reality of things. Um, you know, these are things that we're going to face at one point or another if you want to become licensed. So why not experience that at, at a uh, step before and before you, you know, go into the field and you kind of get too busy and you forget about these mm -hmm. tests. You could have at least one or two under your belt and say, you know, I've taken it. You know, it's not that yeah, bad. I can do that. I right. could do it. Let's do the next five. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, uh, a number of years ago, I had uh, some Spanish students in one of my classes, and um, they were explaining how things worked in Spain for them. Uh, and a bunch of the other students were like, oh, that's so great. Because there, once you graduate from the graduate program, you're now a licensed architect. 
and like you're just graduating makes you a licensed architect. And there, all the other students were like, that sounds great. Why don't we have that? Yeah. And then you start to remind people, well, you realize, of course, that means that many of you would go through the process, go all the way through grad school, and then not pass the exam and not get licensed. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't graduate yeah. because they can't let you graduate if you can't pass the exam. Right. Um, and so then everybody said, oh, maybe that's not such a great <laughs> yeah. thing. I'd like to still be, be able to graduate and then decide later if I'm going to uh, go through it. So I, I like the fact that you're thinking mm -hmm. that it's not just about what's in the exam. It's about the sort of flow of, mm -hmm. of how that relates to people's school and, and their sort of especially being young architects and kind of the things that are specific to that, uh, that world. Great. So uh, we want to move to a uh, and a session. I want to make sure <clears throat> that everybody gets their answers question, or their questions <laughs> Either way, you like it. Um, so if you have any questions, um, we'll raise your hand in a second. I think, though, before we move to that, we've, we've discovered that the winning strategy, uh, does anybody have uh, any, sh you know, who's, who's the winner up here? I'm not quite sure. Do we have a winner? Do we have a winner? <laughs> Anyone? No winners. So, <laughs> no winners. So that's politically correct. Right? I think the answer is that, remember, everyone's going to pass on the first try. Yeah. That's right. So I think that's the thing. So with that, does anyone have any questions here in the audience? If you do, raise your hand and just speak up. You can stand up, please. So as a So the question um, here for everyone online is that, um, you know, t considering taking 4.0, knowing it's maybe not so much the simple questions of vocab, how are you going to go about uh, studying for it? To do 5.0. To do 5.0. Yeah, I think um, it, that's uh, 4.0 siloed in that way where it is a lot of memorization and knowing a certain approach. I think for 5.0, you have to be able to be able to apply things much more. That's my understanding based on NCARB's guidebook, that it's really taking the knowledge that you've quote unquote memorized or that you've learned and then applying it to a scenario. So I think practicing that and hopefully when everyone comes out with their materials, we'll be able to do that more. I think the case studies that people are going to come out with, um, the problems are going to be the key to the 5.0. And I guess, I don't know why this reminded me of it, but um, it's worth noting that there is a demo exam on NCARB's website. Um, so you can kind of you know, take a look, um, see how the things are laid out. You could mess around with the toolbar, that, which is new to the 5.0. Um, you know, maybe just to kind of alleviate some of that mm -hmm. thinking and you know, how is it going to be structured overall. One of the things that they've been saying very clearly at NCARB <coughs> is that they, they want to move away from questions that are, uh, did you memorize this, this thing, uh, and move more into questions that uh, are more sort of uh, time-based, sort of real, and like you have some reference material, you have some other material, you kind of look back and forth, and you find that information. So they're going to move away from questions that are like, okay, how many square feet are in an uh, acre? You know, um, you either know it or you don't know it uh, kinds of questions. But having said that, these other questions, when you're reading through the, the information that is in this more sort of interactive uh, setup, there's going to be something in there that's going to reference square feet and something that's going to reference acres. And so it's super handy if you already know how many square feet are in an acre. So you're, they're not really moving away from that information. They're just trying to move away from that as a direct, simple question uh, and to make these questions a little bit more interactive. So I think my response to the question about flashcards and things, I think that's still all going to be useful as one portion of the way to think about the exam. I think we had one more question. I saw somebody maybe raise their hand. Sure. Go right ahead. Stand up, please. So I work for Chicago Architecture Foundation, and we work with a lot of teens. Uh, I work in our education department. Um, so I guess my question is, if you could go back to you in high school, what kind of advice would you give yourself to get to where you're at now? So the question was, if, uh, if you could give advice uh, to yourself going back to high school, what advice and, uh, would you give 
uh, give yourself in the pursuit of becoming an architect? Uh, business school? <laughs> no. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm totally kidding on that. Actually, I would not want to go to business school. I, I think I'd tell myself to maybe be a little more of a self-starter um, when I was that age to understand what architects really do. Like, get in an office, shadow someone. Because, you know, there's a perception that we are Ted Mosby, right? Like, you are, like, this TV architect, right? And so understanding what we really do and the problems we're trying to solve, um, I think that would be the best thing I could have done for myself when I was that age. Yeah, I actually interned in high school. There was a program set up. Um, Truthfully, my only initiative for signing up for the program was because you could leave school early. <laughs> um, but through that program, I, um, yeah, I interned for an interior designer and realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And then I interned for an architect. And even though I was basically their free receptionist, I, um, I got to peek into their projects and what they do. And it, it solidified like my, my um initial ideas of this is what I wanted to do. And I would say to high school students in Chicago is that you have probably one of the best resources in the nation for a very supportive architectural community. So if you're in a high school and a program, an intern program doesn't exist yet, knock on someone's door, ask a teacher. I think you would be um, very surprised to how receptive um, our profession is here in Chicago. I, I think you could. Pro I mean, I think that's very true about Chicago in particular. But I, I think, as you were saying earlier, one of the great things about the architectural community, and this is going to be true across the country, is uh, if you ask, almost everybody will go out of their way to help you out. And you know, probably nobody has ever asked them to like come and do a, a discussion about design in the high school class. And you're like. That would be awesome, right? That'd be a fun thing to do, right? So uh, there's a, a, a potential, a whole world of, uh, of potential connections that can happen in these things. And the other thing that I would say, which I actually say to uh, my students in grad school, um, but I think it uh, is also true really at any age, I, I think of it for myself uh, now, is think through what your sort of game plan is. What's your sort of plan for your career, for your this sort of moment in time? Uh, make a set of decisions, write them out, literally write them out. This is my father's, uh, I'm, I'm speaking my father's lines, because everything works in your head. Everything makes sense when it's just in your head. It's like a dream. You know, you ever wake up from a dream and you're trying to explain, like I, I sort of roll over and tell my wife, oh, you wouldn't believe this dream I had. I was doing this thing and I was flying and then I was writing this thing. She's like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. But it made perfect sense to me. Right? Everything works in your head. If you write it out, it forces you to be real about it. It forces you to really think about what goes first, what goes second. You start putting it into order. And then the key thing about writing out that game plan and being uh, very intentional about that as a process is that now it's in your head as a process, and you can either follow it or not follow it. Like It's OK if you make a game plan, and then you realize, wow, this is actually a more interesting path. But you needed to make the game plan to move forward to find the more interesting path. Uh, so it's OK to change the path as you go along, but you've got to have a plan. You've got to move forward with something in order to kind of make, uh, otherwise none of those choices are going to come to you. Uh, I think when you're in high school especially, but I would say this is true with uh, undergrads as well, and even to an extent with grad students, uh, you know, everybody sort of sits around and waits for things to come to them. Uh, and in fact, you need to go to them. Right? And once you start moving towards something, all kinds of interesting things will, will show up. And our office has never said no to a group of students wanting to walk through our doors. I don't think any office will ever say no. So just ask. And I think one other note, too, is um, take a look at the different tools that architects actually use in the office. That, uh, those tools and you know, design tools may actually spark uh, a different interest. So, I mean, of course, you want them to be architects, but um, you know, using a, a program like Rhino could spark an industrial design habit on, in a high school student and sparks off a whole completely different career. Um, I think we use some incredible tools that not many people know about. So just exploring those at an entry level or in high school level would be phenomenal, I think. Awesome. All right. <clears throat> well, we're going to go ahead and, and close it up there. So 
I want to thank you, Mike. You bet. Um, Sarah, Laura, Greg. Um, and thanks to all of you who have joined us here in Chicago and all of you who have tuned in online. Um, so thank you so much. Um, to learn more about our the area exam prep curriculum um, that actually we just launched um, a mere 20 days ago. So believe it or not, um, if you can tell by looking at Mike's face, that's the face <laughs> of a man who's been lecturing as, as much as you can possibly <laughs> lecture. <clears throat> it's amazing um, I still have a voice, actually. <laughs> yes, yes. So if you want to check it out, it's on blackspectacles.com. So for all of you uh, online, uh, thank you so much for watching. <laughs>